right, welcome back, guys. Hope everyone's doing well, staying warm out there, staying healthy. Um, yeah, welcome back to And One More Thing. Uh, this is where we discuss last, not last thoughts, I almost did it again. Uh, we talk about one more thing um, that uh, stuck out to us in the sermon this past Sunday, and Matt breaks down the sermon uh, and talks about one more thing that he wanted to add but couldn't because of time. I'm Paul Menti. And I'm Matt Dixon. Hey, Paul, did you watch that Packers game last night? No, I've not watched them this season because they're doo-doo. <laughs> okay, well, if you, if you did know something about Paul, is that he is not from around here. Hmm. Are you, Paul? I'm not, man. I'm not. No, you're not a, you're not a, a natural Southerner. No. I wouldn't so even consider myself an actual Southerner, you know. You probably feel like Titus in the island of Crete. Wow, look at that. <laughs> you feel? That's right. Amongst all you Cretans. <laughs> drunkards and liars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul's from Wisconsin. Yeah, that's right. I don't support my boys anymore, though. I just I want, don't have time, sadly. I want, you know, I want people to, you know, as they listen to this and one more thing, to feel like they get to know us a little bit more. So right yeah. there, they they got a big takeaway. Somebody's going to come up to you on Sunday and be like, didn't know you were from Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah. That's and I the, won't know how to react. That's know. the value of doing, doing <laughs> stuff like that. Okay, so we're talking about Titus uh, 1 through uh, 110 through 16 is what we talked about yesterday called it um, correcting Cretans I wish at the at near the end I wish I would have uh, just titled it I have a bad feeling about this uh, and and then and then did bad teaching bad culture bad lives oh yeah but it's it's all good it came out in the intro uh, right. like I said um, you know I, I I prepared the sermon all week but there's this deadline of getting the outline into the bulletin. And that is around noon on Thursday. But what happens is, is as I, I'm looking at it every day, so it's, it's done on Thursdays generally, but it's developing still. And so that intro of I have a bad feeling about this uh, hit me Saturday afternoon. And I was like, man, I, if, if I had the ability, I would go back and edit everything to fit around that. I have a bad feeling about this. But it's all good. Okay, so we had sinful teaching in verses 10 through 11. Um, Titus on the island of Crete is dealing with insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers who are um, upsetting whole families by teaching what they ought not to teach. So we saw this unhealthy doctrine was leading to this unhealthy result of upsetting whole families. Then we have the sinful culture. Um, verses 12 through 14 of the Cretan culture. Um, they are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. So it's this hard fight over doctrine and over culture. Um, but the result of that is so that people would be sound, healthy in the faith. And then finally is sinful lives. The sinful teachers were teaching um, this legalistic um, purity standard of do these certain things and then you can be pure um, before God and then Paul's like actually the people who are saying that are completely dirty and they're false teachers and um, to the pure all things are pure so if you have Jesus don't worry about it basically is what he says and so that was the that was the sermon 
more or less. So Paul, what is one thing that stood out to you? So my one thing comes in the form of a question today. Okay. So we're mixing it up a little bit. Um, So you, you went into a little bit um, in verse um, 13, it is, Um, this testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in their faith. Um, And you, and you went into that sharp rebuke a little bit. Um, And as I was sitting there taking it in, um, I kind of was questioning a little bit where the line is, right? Because um i looked at this also in first timothy you know um paul is encouraging timothy in chapter six to fight the good fight of faith um and he says here um, pursue righteousness godliness faith love steadfastness and gentleness and um and also i think there's other um points to uh overseers to be gentle somewhere else i think i might be wrong but i don't know um but it's just kind of this idea of gentleness and sharp being able to sharply rebuke somebody. And I don't, I was kind of interested in where the line would be or what you think, you know, where, when would you need to exercise a sharp rebuke or when would you need to be gentle or can they coexist? Right. So that's, that's kind of my question. Can they coexist simultaneously? Yeah. Like, can you gently sharply rebuke somebody? (laughs) Yeah, uh, that's an interesting question. I would think, haven't had a ton of time to think about it, obviously, that it would rise with the seriousness of the doctrine and what's at stake um, in the doctrine. You know, so if, if somebody comes up to me, we talked about we talked about creation at BGU on Wednesday. And if someone said, Hey, you know, I believe in a historical Adam and Eve. I believe in the special creation of man made in the image of God. I don't believe in theistic evolution, but I believe that the earth is 6.5 billion years old because of the gap theory. Okay, so, or whatever like that. I might say, hey, I, I disagree with you, but that probably doesn't rise to the level of sharp rebuke. Right, yeah that or you know it could be something like um a different view on the the end times eschatology or a better one might be like spiritual gifts okay so you might have a certain opinion on spiritual gifts that might really require like some some more biblical teaching like hey this is i think you're out of whack here let's really focus in on and and that's that'd probably be a gentle thing that makes sense right. you don't need a short rebuke because somebody's confused about spiritual gifts okay but if do you, you think come, do you think what? some of it has to do with like the harming of others yeah like in the context you know he's he's saying that these false teachers are doing wrong to families and, and leading them astray and stuff so so it has you think i guess not every case would be that way but to the majority of them it's like if if they're harming someone else you need to step in and stand up let's say somebody was teaching in sunday school that jesus was a creation of god okay yeah would that don't need a sharp rebuke yeah okay i see like like it's almost like there's no there's no playing around with that truth you see it in jesus life you know who warned you to flee from the wrath to come and uh you brood of vipers i mean he like dealt seriously with prideful false teachers but then he was gentle with broken sinners right Uh, and so yeah, yeah this, 
I didn't, yeah. I do think that it uh, it has to do with like what's at stake. Is it a is is it an issue at the heart of Christianity? Is it going to upset whole families? Um, you know, and there could be something that doesn't isn't at the heart of Christianity that could upset whole families if you're just being divisive about this specific false doctrine. You know, like um, I don't know, but but yeah, they were. I mean, the instance in Titus was they were teaching hey, do these little bitty things and, you know, keep with these food laws and, you know, be circumcised and avoid sex maybe or something like that. And then you'll be pure. We don't really know what they were saying, but it would probably be things like that. Yeah. And Paul's like, you've got to sharply rebuke them because they're adding to the gospel. Right. Okay. Um, I, you know, there is that verse I read um, in Galatians 6.1 where it says, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Mm-hmm. So that difference is it doesn't seem like they are leading people astray. They're just falling into sin. Okay. And so then there's the spirit of gentleness. Um, I think of first John at the very end, you're probably not there yet. Paul's, teaching through, not. Paul's teaching through first John and, and youth where he says, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. I did actually, uh, I'm sorry, finish no, the word. No, you're good. You, were you okay. I did actually quote that this past week because um, he was talking about, uh, I was asking the question, do Christians sin? And so that right there kind of indicates that they do because mm-hmm. it was like, if any brother's caught in a transgression, you know, so I right. did quote that one, but I'm not, oh, I'm not down to first round five yet. There you go. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I think it probably rises to like how much it's causing an issue mm-hmm. in the congregation, how dangerous it is, um, you know, what's at stake um, because there is, you know, doctrinal disagreements, which it's like, okay, the, this might need, gentle correction this might need some further discipleship um but also you know there's some um there are some things that are just sin issues it's not a doctrinal issue you just be like hey what are you thinking um i do think there's a balance you don't want to be like waking up rebuking people every day all the time um but every little thing yeah but hey there's a lot to rebuke no no things or buts about it <laughs> yeah where do you, do you think there's a another thing you want to add about where the line is or do you have any thoughts there um i don't think there's uh there's anything i need i, I want to add i just I, I think the struggle that i had was was trying to connect the two because i feel like a lot of the time we're either overly gentle or mm. we're overly uh rebukeful i don't know if that's a word but you yeah know. harsh um, Sharp. Yeah, harsh, right. So um, I feel like there's there's got to be a mix, you know. There's got to be like a um, you got to uh, try to think of how to say it, but you know you can't lean too far on one end of the spectrum all the time. Yeah. And I guess you know since both of these are kind of requirements, you need to um, use discretion in which you know, and with whether you're gentle or whether you're strict, you know, right. I don't know. I guess it was just kind of a, it was a question of like, I felt like they couldn't exist at the same time, you know? Right. Right. And it might be, um, it might be, um, just different. Sorry. I lost my train of thought there. I was looking something up. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's just like maybe not all at the same time, but one or the other, you know, um, depending on the situation. Um, I was looking up Proverbs 15, 1, where it says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Mm-hmm. I think in the context of relationships, the soft correction is probably better than the harsh rebuke. Oh, yeah. Okay. You know, like if if we had an issue since we have a relationship, it'd be better for me to come in a gentle way. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the public sin of the false teachers deserves this very public, harsh rebuke. Okay. I don't know. That's a great question. Uh, send us your thoughts. Yeah, there you go. In the right. We want your feedback. <laughs> yeah, as, as we think these things through. Okay. I want to talk about one thing that stood out to me. And I, I want to double click on verse 12. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, and lazy gluttons. This is, I mean, basically a stereotype. Paul's employing a stereotype of the Cretans, but it's a true stereotype. <laughs> okay, so it's like, here's what they said, and, uh, and it's true. In- it's interesting to me that Paul quotes one of their own prophets. Like he, he's quoting a prophet of their culture. Um, one of the Cretans, a prophet of their own. So this is similar to me. Like if I'm trying to reach this culture, quoting Taylor Swift, you know, as one of your prophets, Taylor Swift once said, um, shake it off. Okay. That's kind of like what he was saying. Um, but I think it shows the wisdom of Paul. It reminds me of, was it remind me of Paul? Paul quoting a prophet of their own culture. Mars Hill, Acts 17, oh. where it says, you know, he says that that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So right there, he quotes Epimenides, okay, in Acts 17. Epimenides. But Paul does this to like sharply rebuke the Cretans. He basically says, y'all are objectively terrible people, <laughs> right? It's interesting. It's a wholesale criticism of the culture, which is so like, could you imagine doing something like this today for us to say like, you know, the people in Mississippi are all liars, um, <laughs> liars, yeah, and lazy gluttons. <laughs> everybody in Wisconsin, everybody from oh, Wisconsin, wow. You know, wow. I mean, that would be just like so fun in the face of everything we're about these days. Not the world's about. Mm-hmm. But I want to point out that Paul was not the only person to say something like this. Number one, a third century BC source, so this is, you know, 300 years before Christ, claimed that Cretans are thieves from way back, pirates. They never think along legal lines. So that was 300 years before Jesus. Then I talked about the the lexicon of Hezekias of Alexandria. I mentioned this yesterday in the sermon. So this was like 5th century, but with older info, contained the entry Cretzine, which means to speak or act like a Cretan or to play the Cretan with the definition of to lie or deceive. So literally, you could be like, you're playing the Cretan right now is the word that people would say it meant to lie. Um, one historian said, so much, in fact, do love sordid love of gain and lust for wealth prevail among them that the Cretans are the only people in the world in whose eyes 
no gain is disgraceful. Finally, Cicero said that Cretans regarded highway robbery as honorable. So, I mean, this is like over and over again, like Paul's not the only person saying that Cretan culture is terrible. I mean, everybody's saying this. Um, now, the prophet, I want to ask who the prophet he's quoting in verse 12. Um, it's in the footnote of the ES, ESV, just like the footnote um, was in the um, Acts 17, and it is Epimenides, the same dude from Acts 17. Oh boy, again. Yeah, so in him, we live and, in him we live and move and have our being is from Epimenides of Crete. Paul quotes him in Acts 17, and Paul quotes him here in chapter oh, one. Is a Cretan too? They're Epimenides. both the same dude. Yeah, Epimenides was a Cretan. Oh, and okay. Paul quotes Paul quotes him in the same. So Paul must have had this dude's books. Right? <laughs> I bet, yeah. Paul had like an Epimenides section in his library, I guess. And so, yeah, this, this dude's from Crete. Paul quotes him in Acts 17 and in Titus chapter 1. And what Paul quotes from is this thing called the liar paradox. Very famous, what people talk about all the time. And it basically goes like this. If Cretan, if a Cretan, Epimenides, if a Cretan says Cretans are always liars, is he lying or telling the truth? Wow. See what I'm saying? So if, if he's telling the truth, then then he Cretans aren't he, always liars. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. So there's there's a little paradox. And, and it's kind of funny because Paul just kind of cuts through that in verse. Paul knew about this. He had to. Verse 13 this testimony is true. So it's like, is it true or is it false? And he's just like, hey, this testimony is true. Y'all yeah. are full of deceit. <laughs> okay, that's basically what he does there, which is kind of funny to see that background of it and how he cuts through it. So what he says is he says they're evil beasts as well, um, which is ironic because Crete was known as an island without a lot of wild animals. Hmm. Like it was known there wasn't a lot of wild animals though, there. So it's kind of like, um Epimenides was saying and Paul y'all are the wild beasts on oh. Crete um and then lazy gluttons um which literally means idle stomachs so just stomachs that are just sitting around doing nothing mm -hmm. self-indulgent doing nothing only caring about themselves it reminds me of Philippians 319 which says their end is destruction their god is their belly and their glory is in their shame with minds set on earthly things. I mean, that's what the Cretan culture was. Their minds were completely captivated with earthly things, and everything they were was in direct contrast to what life in the spirit looks like. So let me ask you a question, Paul, since you asked me a question. Um, that's the Cretan culture, very similar to our culture, I would say, Wisconsin culture and Tennessee culture. How do we respond to things like this? Like, how do we respond to that kind of culture? Um, to play off of, I guess, what we talked about earlier, um, you know, there is an element of gentleness that we need to have for them, you know, and compassion. I think um, something interesting um, is that Paul kind of learned these people you know, you, you mentioned how, you know, he read Epimenides. And so he read about the, the, the Creek culture. Um, and then on Mars Hill, he quotes him again, but he's trying to like relate to them in a way um, right. by knowing their culture. I think that's another good thing um, 
that we should do, you know, be able to know them so that we we have that empathy for them. You know what I mean? Where um, we know where they're coming from, even though they might be wrong. Um, we still need to come at them in that gentle kind of way. Um, but also, apparently, in moments, you got to rebuke sharply, too. And so if they're, you know, profaning God in some kind of way, I think, um, you know, it's just to get a little rebuke, rebukeful. <laughs> I keep using that word now. But, rebukeful. Yeah, I don't know if that's a word. Know, I don't think it is, but you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah. I, does that kind of get at what you were you were trying to yeah i wanted to quote second timothy 2 14 through 17 uh which i think is very similar to everything we talked about yesterday where it says remind them of these things and charge them before god not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers do your best to present yourself to god as one approved a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. So what we saw yesterday is what we see in this passage here. Unhealthy doctrine produces unhealthy lives, right? I mean, it says irreverent babble will lead people into more and more ungodliness. Unhealthy doctrine, irreverent Bible, will lead to unhealthy lives. So I think the best thing that we can do is what we see in this text is to do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. So our response to irreverent Bible, to unhealthy doctrine, unhealthy lives, is to rightly handle the word of truth. Because as we saw yesterday, Healthy doctrine produces healthy lives because um, Second Timothy, you know, uh, irreverent babble leads to more and more ungodliness. But as we saw in Titus chapter one, verse one, the knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness. So the word of truth leads to godliness and the irreverent babble, the word of falsehood leads to ungodliness. So the way we respond to this unhealthy culture, unhealthy doctrine, unhealthy lives is rightly handling the word of truth yeah very good you're speechless huh i am i'm blown away <laughs> blown away all right guys thanks so much for listening we'll see you next week this was and one more thing with maddox and and paul minty jr they didn't know that either did they <laughs>